So our next presenter is uh, Clive Hogarth. He is a consultant at Milliman. We consult to various non-life insurance companies and he has ex extensive experience across the non-life industry uh, and all the various practice areas. And he also has a key interest on in how we can use data and technology, uh, including automation, to improve processes and enhance our decision making. Clive's gonna to talk to us about uh, capital allocation methodologies under the new uh, SAM Prudential Framework. Please welcome Sam, uh, Clive. So guess I'm acutely aware I'm standing in between you and lunch and that we're probably gonna overrun. So maybe I'll talk a little faster and hopefully we can get through a bit quickly. But before I do start, um, kind of a tradition started a couple years ago of I used to make someone's birthday always special and it does continue to this year. Um, for those of you that don't know, it's Andre Janssen from Furen's birthday today. Now obviously I'd like all of you to please give him a gift. I'm obviously aware I'm only telling you this now so no one's done any prep work. Fortunately, on your tables, you'll notice there's sweets. They don't give him this sweet because this is actually quite valuable. But there is a very cheap mint. He likes sweets, so you can give them to him over lunch. <laughs> so I guess, you know, if we look today, IFRA 17 is now going live, which I remember that when I started working was going to go live, was going to happen imminently, and yeah, I've lost a lot of hair, gotten a bit gray, and it took a long time to get there. Sam was going live then and kept on getting pushed out. We're now sitting where Sam is actually live. We're now sitting where we're meant to say Sam is business as usual. And the honest answer is I don't actually think Sam is business as usual yet. But let me get to it. Uh, so, capital scarce. That's fairly obvious. And we've all got to make decisions. And if you look at South Africa, South Africa as a government has had to make decisions. We've got a limited budget. There's only so much we can borrow. Where do we need to invest it? How much do you spend on healthcare? How much do you spend on education? How much do you spend on transport? How much do you spend on service delivery and water sanitation? Now, given we're just going through a recession, and a lot of people from Cape Town would probably argue we should have spent less on trains and more on water and sanitation. And I'm not going to get to those level of technical details, and, but how we allocate capital into the business can determine our success. Allocating capital efficiently is actually how you drive the success for business. So today, I'm going to look at what has changed. We've gone through a couple of years of interim measures to Sam, what has changed around that? Why do we want to do capital allocation? What's the purpose? I'm going to look at some of the methodologies you can use to allocate capital. And then I'm just going to take you through a couple of practical examples how it actually can apply to the SAM standard formula. I debated about the slides, but I did decide to actually put in an actual numerical example. It's like the first rule of presenting, you should never include numbers with slides, and I did it. And then I'm going to talk through some of the practical challenges. Because it's all very well to sit here and say, one should allocate capital, when you actually try and do it, you probably will think of it. And then we have some concluding remarks. So this slide I find rather interesting. It's been attributed to Albert Einstein. I find it amazing. One of the 
genius of our time and came up with that wonderful equation, says that we should keep everything as simple as possible but not simpler. E equals mc squared is very simple. The maths behind E equals mc squared are so complex you, I can't even pretend to understand them. And kind of in some ways, we went from a world where capital was basically a percentage of the premiums you wrote to capital now depends on mins, maxes, scenarios, um, maxes, mins, correlation matrix, multiple layers of diversification. Previously, allocating capital was actually fairly easily. You took your premium, and maybe you adjusted for some market and credit risk, but most of us in this would be pretty blunt. Once you applied that square root formula, market and credit risk dropped off, so you just got left with premium, so it was easy to try and do your pricing, what was my capital, well, what's your class of business, what's your percentage, add a small margin for up-risk, and the rest is all in the rounding. Trying to do that on a SAM basis, you're going to sit for a little bit longer. So why, why do we want to allocate capital? And to me this is, a lot of people in this room, and I include myself in that, are very good at calculating very accurate numbers that are not actually calibrated to a 1 in 200 year event. We can get into ridiculous spurious accuracies to accurately calculate bond yield shifts and, and all of that. And yet I sometimes feel that capital work and our work is secondary. It sits there a lot in the business plan, a lot in decision making as let's worry about profit, let's worry about maximizing growth. And as long as our capital's okay, it's fine. Capital allocation is one of the ways that you can actually put more focus on capital put more focus on return on capital. The decisions aren't going to be made as to what's going to happen to our top line and bottom line, but actually what's going to happen to our entire business position. If you can allocate capital to your business units, your products, and people's metrics are being reported on it, suddenly now there's a focus on capital. Suddenly now capital actually is for of mind. No longer is it this, we'll do our budget and then we'll maybe do an also projection and in some cases, uh, you've seen it, uh, people present a budget if it falls outside of your capital requirements, or you adjust the budget. You drop premium and just increase the profit margins because you still want the same profit figure. It does happen in some places. So those are all reasons we should be. I mean, let's get ourselves in front of people. Let's put ourselves at the making of business decisions. Let's help drive decision making. That's why we should be doing capital allocation. But at the same time, I'd caution against that. And that's because if you look at it, responsibility means you have to perform a job satisfactorily. If you're going to put out a capital number and you're going to allocate it to business units, you need to make sure that there's rigor behind that number. If you think of it, most of you are probably sitting here saying, I need to do four capital calculations every single year. That is driving me absolutely crazy. I don't have the resources to get to all of my work. My team is struggling over two weeks or more to try and produce an SCR number. You're now saying, let's try and produce SCR numbers, not for a company, but for every division or maybe every product or every risk. The focus that's going to be on all of those figures, on any mistake, the pressure you're going to put on your teams can be quite significant. What I worry is if we don't do capital allocation correctly and we set out with, let's just do it and we'll use an approach, you actually could cause more damage. You could actually get to a point where the business starts to doubt some of the numbers you produce. So I'd caution when you're going in, and I'll get to it later, when you're looking at capital allocation, 
There's positives, but there's also consequences. And if you're going to approach it, try and do it in a thought-out manner and do it over a period of time. But there are two questions when you look at capital allocation. The how, which is basically the method that you're going to use to allocate, and what do you want to allocate? What is it to business units, to risks? And those are the two questions that you can basically break a capital allocation approach into. If you look at the how, this is basically a summary of the different methods that people use to allocate capital. Um, one paper described capital allocation as the subjective methods used by people to determine how much capital should be allocated to a particular product. And the answer is, the more literature you read, the more different methods you find out, and different people have different reasons why they should do it, but often a lot of the different methods are based on people's preferences. But probably fortunately, a lot of those methods talk to people using stochastic models. Now, if I'm brutally honest with all of you, if you're going to build a stochastic model to allocate your solvency capital requirements, that's an exceptionally expensive, complicated process. I've been involved in building a capital model. It's a time-consuming process. So if you look at these, your variance you can to an extent use your standard formula, but you do run into problems. Catastrophe risk generally doesn't have variances. They're maxes, they're minimums. So variance you can't really use unless you're going to have some model. Semi-variance the same. A lot of methods look at how do you allocate capital looking over the entire distribution. You've got your Wang, your Escher transformations, your expected default, your Myers-Reed. They're all very technical and justifiable capital allocation methods. But for most of us, if you're not sitting with a capital model that produces simulations, they're not really going to be used. I mean, I guess some people would make the argument that you can take the standard formula, we'll put a distribution, and we can take that, and we can maybe put a distribution and put cash flows, and then we can use this to back solve this, and back basically your capital allocation will just become an allocation of your assumptions. We then look at what you allocate capital to. So one of the simplest would be your divisions. You've got different divisions, direct business, broker business, commercial business, personal business. You can allocate capital to those different business lines. If you really get detailed, you might say, well, I actually want to allocate it and monitor it for every single product. I can then go to my product owners and I can monitor their profitability. I can monitor the return on capital. Alternatively, for your risk committee meetings, you might be saying, well, let me split it between market, interest, catastrophe risk, premium risk, reserve risk. That's an area you want to use capital allocation. Um, and I've also seen one or two European insurers have looked at how much capital do they need for each specific region in which they write business. And the reason I mention this is not to say, well, these are the methods you can allocate to capital. It's depending on the purpose, it might determine how you need to allocate capital. And particularly if you're new in the environment, well, reporting capital allocation numbers in environment, you need to be very careful on how you produce the numbers because if you do it by product, then by risk, you'll get a very different answer if you do it by risk and then by product. And if you think of it, if you're sitting at a risk committee meeting and someone's looking at it going, the numbers don't tie up, it gets a little challenging to explain, well, if you go through the maths, you can understand that there's this diversification and you're probably going to lose people. So whenever you do it, you've got to think very carefully about how you communicate the numbers, 
And to be frank, I'd be very careful about communicating numbers that might be cross-validated. But if you look specifically at the SAM standard formula, specifically focusing on that, how can we allocate capital? So one people might use, want to use, and it's to try and embed it in the business, is let's use a risk metric. Let's use a metric that we can attach capital to in our business. So a good example, let's use operational risks. We've got an operational risk register. We'll pretend it's entirely accurate, that no one is not letting events slide by the side. We'll track it by division, and we'll get all of their operational numbers. And we'll use those numbers to allocate our capital, our operational risk capital. It's an approach. The problem with something like that is you can end up with a product that might have significant operational risk, and you're going to allocate significant amounts of operational risk capital to it. If ever the decision in the business is made, let's stop writing that business because it now takes up too much capital, your operational risk capital requirement won't change, or will change very minimally because your operational risk capital requirement is driven by premium. So you'll be very careful when you choose a metric that's not actually aligned to the business because now suddenly your allocation of capital and people using, making decisions is not aligned. You can also talk about other measures, and these get a little bit difficult, but um, some people have proposed looking at expected losses in 10 years. So your business has not really as much a focus on a 1 in 200 year event, but far more focused on what could happen in a 1 in 10 year event. And you can use those measures to try and allocate capital. Again, some of the problems you have here is that it doesn't agree to the standard formula. So changes in your business might mean the measures don't react as you want to. Probably the most commonly and easily used method is evaluate risk. Now, yes, there are lots of papers. You can read them. RiskNet publishes dozens on the shortcomings of the standard formula and the use of evaluate risk. And you should use tail at risk, x tail at risk, all other measures. But to be honest, it's there. That's what the standard formula bases itself on. So it's pretty easy to use value at risk. And from a regulatory capital perspective, that's effectively what you're being measured on. That's your restriction. So that's probably one of the most common used methods when looking at, particularly with the standard formula. And then if you look at the different methods. So here I've highlighted four. I'm not saying the, the only four we have to use, but there are four of the methods that we can use to allocate capital, and I'll show you some examples. So the first, and it's quick and dirty, is proportional. And that's, when I say easy, you just calculate everyone's individual capital requirement, sum them all together, and then diversify it out by a proportional approach. But if you think of some of the challenges of that, let's say I want to do that by product. Who here, and I've, well, let's do it by division. I've got four divisions. Who's going to offer to do four SCR calculate, well, five SCR calculations? Think of the data, all the, the spreadsheets behind that. It's the easiest one, but it actually still requires quite a lot of work. The next one, and I refer to it as Euler, there are another couple of methods, uh, names given to it, but it's quite easy in that because of the standard formula, the way it's constructed out of variance, covariance matrices, you can actually very easily allocate capital using the variance and the correlation matrix. So it works very well if you want to keep to non-life risk, cat risk, lapse risk, and then allocate to premium and reserve risk. It's actually really, well, relatively quick and easy. You don't actually have to calculate any other figures. They're all in your return. So it's quite easy. Obviously, using this approach to try and do an allocation by 
product or division, it falls away completely. The next method you look at is your marginal capital allocation. And if you thought proportional, this kind of requires you to recalculate your SCR, removing every product at each iteration. So if you've got 10 products, you've got to remove each iteration and recalculate it at that. It gets a little more complicated with that. And then I guess the last one which we have, and to me it has a peculiar attraction to it, is game theory. Um, for any of you who've ever tried to allocate capital under game theory, you're in for a ride. If you want to allocate capital to about 10 divisions, you actually need to calculate 10 factorial calculations. Now you can optimize the calculation that it's only 2 to the power of 10. For all of you that can do your maths, if you're doing this on an Excel worksheet, you realize then you've got a couple problems to do game theory. So the problem with game theory in most of the literature is don't try to do it with more than seven divisions. Because even at seven divisions, you've got a ridiculous number of calculations. So these are all the methods. Well, not all the methods, they're some of the methods. And I guess what I'm trying to stress is depending on your choice of method, it impacts the capital allocation. Now most of these methods, they're papers that discuss them that go into a lot of detail around them, but it's still a subjective choice and a choice of what you can actually implement that people discuss. So I did say I would discuss some maths. So here I've just gone and done a premium reserve risk calculation. I've allocated premium reserve risk to different product lines. There's six of them. This is an actual example from a QRT. They've obviously been scaled the figures so no one knows who it is. Um, if you just look here, most of you look at the figures, you look at the top line, A, 300 million, 350, 350, 326, okay, yeah, those figures are fine. Yeah, different methods, but they're giving a relatively stable result. But maybe look at product lines E and F. Your allocated capital, if you use the proportional approach, can be 10 million rand versus 4 million rand on the EULA. Now, we'll probably look then saying that's not that significant. If that was your product line and you're being reported on your product line, you're suddenly saying that your performance metric worsened by more than 50%. Suddenly someone, when they're trying to generate performance, their bonus is determined by your capital allocation and it's almost as arbitrary as do I choose the proportional EULA or marginal method. I'm not sure many of us would be that happy if your performance was just changed because someone decided to change their allocation methodology that quickly. And I guess it is a common consequence of the proportional method is it doesn't take into account correlations. So it often is a shortcoming of it. Surprisingly enough, that's probably the one that quite a lot of us will use because it's just a whole lot easier than having to do any of the other methods. But, and where I stress it is if you're gonna do capital allocation the moment you report a capital number that's very high, I can assure you, business is going to challenge you. There's no answer that you can do for capital allocation that's right, besides giving someone zero capital, because that's the only time they're actually happy. And you don't want to be stuck in a situation where you report a capital number and six months later, you're changing it because you realize the methodology you chose was maybe not quite working out, so you've changed it. So if you look at some of the practical challenges that you can go through in capital allocation approach. So I guess, depending on your method, some of these appear, some of them don't. Um, 
and depending on your business, some of them appear, some of them don't. It really depends on you individually. Um, so the one is negative capital, which if you've done certain marginal capital allocation approaches, what you'll find is when you add a new product from smallest to largest, you add the smallest product, it actually has negative capital. Um, that's generally not a desirable effect that someone can have negative capital. Um, then you talk about additivity. So if you take similar products or add products together, their diversified capital number should be lower than adding them together. And depending on the method, sometimes you actually find additivity doesn't actually apply to your method. So you can add combinations of products together and suddenly their capital requirement increases as opposed to decreasing. Um, you also get what they refer to as undercut. So undercut is when you calculate the diversified capital number for a diversified book, and that diversified capital number is larger than if you've done the SCR calculation just for that product, which is generally a very difficult thing to try and explain how diversification is higher than individual. And if we get to some of the nitty-gritty data, so there might be one or two people here who'd put up their hands and say, my data's fine. Um, the most of you are sitting there saying, please don't check my data. <laughs> and to think about it, it's not even about the quality of data you've been fed. You're doing an overall SCR calculation number, which means you want your UPR by class of business. You want your earned premium by class of business. If you're trying to do this by division, suddenly now your inputs have to be by class of business, by division. If you're doing it by product, you need all of these figures output by every single product. Suddenly your Excel worksheet of 40 megs of input is going to blow up completely. The number of UPR calculations, all of the detail you have to do everything in, suddenly starts to get significantly greater. Then you start talking about the calculation engine. I'm not going to ask people to raise your hands, but for the vast majority of us here, our SCR calculation engine is Excel. I've seen the good and the bad of all of them, how a 100 megabyte spreadsheet is used in a capital calculation. Um, the spreadsheets that we use to calculate this SCR number are significant. The effort it takes to do one calculation is huge. If you're now going to do capital allocation and say, well, let's do 7, 14, suddenly you're now having to repeat this calculation for all of these worksheets. To try and keep track of all those worksheets are huge. If you are going to consider doing capital allocation, I'd encourage you to look at other approaches. I think for most of us, Excel is a vice. It's quick, it's easy, it's dirty. We can do whatever we want on it. Um, if you take other valuation programs, um, R being one of them, uh, Julia being another one, the number of calculations you can actually do in these fundamentally annihilates what you can do in Excel. So if you are seriously going to consider capital allocation, I can't stress enough how you need to make sure that your engine runs slick, runs fine. It's not exactly related, but Aviva, who's one of the larger European insurers, they've got their own internal model under Solvency too, so they are significantly more complicated than we are. They do, in the region of 1,000 and 1,400 runs of their internal model every single month. I think if you had to ask most of us in this room to do 10 
runs of our standard formula run in a month, we'd probably all resign quite quickly. You then get into some of the nittier gritty, and it really is some of the exceptions that can throw you off when you're trying to do, and that's your reinsurance. So if you think of it, most of us here are sitting with if, most insurers, you've got a fairly standard reinsurance structure, minimal proportional reinsurance, probably an excess of loss treaty. That excess of loss treaty doesn't cover one line of business, it covers every single, all of your business, commercial property, motor, all of it, covered by your single treaty. And your reinsurers have been really good and they've given you one price for the entire treaty. So now when you try and do your SCR calculation, you're like, well, let's get my net capital number by product. So I've got my motor and I've got my property. How do I work out how to net down a number? Because if I do the calculation and apply my reinsurance structure on my netted down gross exposure, nothing ever actually hits the treaty limits because they're all too small. So you end up having to take your perfect diversification model and probably bastardize it by saying, well, let's use the gross and assume that that's applicable to the net. But then you have that your commercial motor probably is a lot more active on the working layers, but your property book might be a lot more active on the catastrophe layers. And if you go through the formula, there are a whole lot of mins and maxes and different areas where you can get tripped up, where a calculation that should seem fairly simple suddenly becomes quite a time consuming. And then, and we're moving on probably more to the business, is some of the, how do you allocate capital for your business? So market risk. Admittedly, most non-life companies are fairly conservative, but if you've taken an aggressive investment strategy, is it fair to allocate that capital to a product? Should you be allocating it, or should that be going to an investment portfolio business? Um, SAM's also quite nice in that you don't just use assets back in technical liabilities, you use your total balance sheet. Now most of us have excess capital, but at 1.3 times cover, is that how much each product needs? But if you're sitting at 1.5 times capital, do you allocate that excess capital to your products, or is that a new business allocation? You also run into, is if you're doing these capital allocation calculations, and let's say you're doing them quarterly because you've now got it. Depending on which products and how your business mixes change, how your capital allocate, gets allocated changes. Again, depending on the methodology. So a simple example, you've got accident and health business, you've got property business. Let's say you've got a year end in December, like quite a few insurers and insurers here do. And for those of you that remember last year fondly, you were trying to take leave when a catastrophe event hit. Kind of the best thing, you're trying to take your December leave, you've got year end, and now you need to adjust your IBNR calculation for cat event, which you actually know nothing, because no one's actually there. If you'd been doing capital allocation, what would have happened now is you would have actually shifted the capital required to support your accident and health business. Because as your claims went up, this capital required to support your property business would have increased. So changes like that actually make it very difficult to explain to a board or to business and product owners, nothing changed in your product, premium volumes are exactly stable, but your capital dropped. Now they probably won't query it, because it's good news. The next quarter when the capital increases, I can assure you they're at your desk knocking. And then you also get, in terms of your product growth. So as products grow at different levels of, some might be growing, some might be slowing, 
the amount of capital can actually change. So as different, and how much capital do you allocate for the projected growth of the business? Bearing in mind we're looking forward, so if you've got a, cap, a product that's growing 10%, 15%, maybe 20% a year, you probably need to allocate it more capital because that's part of your business planning. But trying to actually even work out where products are going to be in the next year can actually be quite a challenging process. So I guess what I'm trying to highlight here is capital allocation really seems nice. It's a way you can get capital forefront of everyone's mind. You can actually influence business. It's actually, from an actual perspective, it's quite nice to not be stuck in the back all the time. But the quote I came up with was, haste makes work when caution when, which caution prevents. Now, I'll be honest, I was going to put up, be afraid, be very afraid, but I thought that was too negative. It's, I'm not going to sit here and do the consulting thing of do it, do it, you know, think carefully about it. If you're going to do it, go through a couple dry runs. Look at different methodologies, look at the different results. See how they change over a period of time. And look at your team. Look at the people who are actually having to do the work. You're going to have to increase the number of calculations you do significantly. You want to make sure that you're not in a process where you go and implement something but then sit working to ridiculous hours trying to maintain it. Or worse yet, you're doing capital allocation on Excel spreadsheets and everything's running fine, but because everything's kind of stuck together with this one VBA macro that copies and pastes stuff and does this, you work out in five months' time you've actually completely made a fundamental mistake. So I'd caution you, if you're going to do it, yes, there's merit, but there are also consequences. And I guess that's what I have to say on it. I think if I can leave with one passing comment on it, um, elements like capital allocation to me actually get me excited because it's a way you can be forefront. You know, a lot of business planning nowadays is done on top line and profits. As a shareholder, I don't necessarily care about profits. I don't necessarily care about top line. A return on your return on capital because after all, I've given you capital. But what I would say is use this to think about how you can do capital calculations differently. Um, it's possible to build an R capital calculation model. You'd actually be surprised if you build that and automate that how you can productionize some of this. Um, and on that, I mean, if anyone wants the code, I can share the code with you on the basic examples. I guess relating to the whole earlier thing on be careful on social media, don't have Snapchat. I don't have Instagram, but my employee insists I'm on LinkedIn, and you can probably find too much information there. So I'll be happy to share it with you. And if you want, you can start playing with it. Um, so I don't know if anyone has any questions. So I guess why there's a focus on the SCR is for most of us, um, economic capital is a multiple of our SCR. There may be one or two people here who are have got an economic capital, they not necessarily have gone through the approval process, they might be using a background, in which case you probably are already looking at capital allocation and probably keep going with it. I think my focus on the SCR is in most instances, most insurers' economic capital is 1.3 times or 1.25 times and when the FS, sorry, the Prudential Authority um, asks you and also please advise how you came up with 1.3, um, there's one of two things that happen. Either people sit and scratch their head, or someone comes up with a nice uh, fancy footwork and how they can come up that 1.3 was the correct number. 
So, yes, agreed you should. I'd maybe probably just caution you a little bit on where you worry about some of the economic capital is if you do have an economic capital is you can write a product that is very, so let's use a blatant, blunt example. Um, let's use a funeral product. Funeral product for most economic capital models has basically no capital, if not negative capital. Um, if you're gonna now use it for a, depending on which one bites, you'd actually just need to be wary about using economic capital to allocate it if your economic capital ends up being lower than your SCR number, because your SCR number actually ends up being your capital anyway. So there are a couple intricacies and I'm not saying there's a one size fits all. If your economic capital, if you're a reinsurer targeting a one in 10,000 year, the SCR number for all of your products are probably irrelevant, so economic would be the one you'd go. Okay, uh, can AI implementation be used? Guess it's an, I'd be interested to see how that, I mean, I, I'm not gonna flatly deny it can't. It would be interesting to see how one could do it. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd be interested, I mean, most, if you look at some of the allocation, there's quite a lot of subjective bias to it, so how you'd actually fit a model that kind of tried to allocate, it would be interesting to see if you could do it, uh, to be honest, I haven't tried that. Um, yeah, if you ever ask the question, I'd be well, happy to have a chat to you to just get your views on it. I think that's the questions.